We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are now 6-6 six and six after their second straight win of the season, beating the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, and the door is very, very slightly open for their playoff chances. We're going to recap the Bears' win over the Lions on Thanksgiving. We're going to talk a little injury news with the team. We're also going to give a preview of Chicago's next game. It's a quick turnaround. They play on Thursday night um, against Dallas. They'll be hosting the Cowboys at Soldier Field. Before we get into all of that, I want to remind you of an update from our partners over at Vivid Seats. If you're looking to get to a Bears game, got the itch to watch some live football, there's only two games remaining at home for the Chicago Bears here in this season. They'll be hosting Dallas on Thursday night, and then they do not play again at home until Week 16 when they host Kansas City Chiefs. If you're interested in going to a game, maybe you want to catch a Bulls game, a Blackhawks game, even though both teams are slumping, you need to check out Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by the price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. It's pretty easy. To make things even better, they have a loyalty program for all buyers that gives you credit back on future purchases. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. The best part about it all is we got a special deal for you. First-time customers can use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. Once again, that's promo time OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, let's get back to the podcast here. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, the Bears have won two straight. It's been against the Giants and the Lions, uh, not very good opponents. Uh, two teams that are bottom feeders in their division and bottom feeders in the NFC. Man, it feels good to be on a win streak again. It does. And, I mean, <clears throat> really the, the Bears over the last two weeks have kind of gone from bottom feeders to somehow still in the mix. I mean, they're, I mean, you can watch, what, any, any broadcast you want at this point, you know, any football broadcast, anything. I mean, the Bears are in the mix. Um, I think, obviously, you know, they've beat, barely beat, Let's put it that way. Barely beat two pretty bad teams, uh, but they are sitting at six and six. 
Um, and Minnesota lost um, last night. So, I mean, the Bears are sitting in a weird position right now. I mean, they're probably still going to have to win out, which is going to be very hard because they got the Cowboys, they got the Packers, they got the Chiefs, and then they got the Vikings. I mean, those are all winning teams outside of the Cowboys that are 6 and 6. I think are a little bit better than a record shows. Um, but, I mean, if you're a Bears fan at this point, especially with the way things have gone so far this season and how disappointing things have been, I think this is about all you can really ask for right now for them to at least make things interesting. Obviously, that can really change. I think the if they lose to the Cowboys Thursday, I think that's pretty much it. But, I mean, at least for the time being, there's there's at least a little bit of excitement. And there's that little glimmer of hope that maybe they can kind of get things figured out and they can reel off some wins and somehow, you know, get in the playoffs. I don't, I, I still don't think that's a very realistic, but at least it's better than watching a team that, you know, wins three or four games and we have really nothing to even keep interest in. So I guess that's a plus. Yeah. It's been a kind of odd before the season. I mean, we were all talking about the bears being Super Bowl contenders. Uh, they started off 0 and one against the Packers, a little panic, and then they kind of turned it around and won three straight games. to beat uh, the Broncos, Redskins, and Vikings to get to 3-1. and one. And then kind of our mood changed back to, okay, this team can contend for the division. I think the Packers had a loss. Um, they were like 3-1, and 4-1 and one up there as well. And then all of a sudden, you know, the kind of wheels fell off for the Bears, and it looked pretty ugly there. It looked like they weren't even going to be in contention for that Thanksgiving game. Um, in Detroit, because they, they had some pretty brutal losses, losing to the Raiders, who... The Raiders are starting to fall off. They do not look like a good football team at all. I'm um, losing the Chargers, and the Chargers have been a mess in their own way. I think they've, I think they have eight losses, and they're all eight of their losses have been by one score or less, which is pretty remarkable. And it, it seems like the Chargers find more ways to beat themselves, and teams beat them. Uh, they lost to the Saint. The Bears lost to the Saints, and it was kind of like, all right, we're gonna have no meaningful football in December. But here we are. As we record this, I mean, it's December 3rd right now. The Bears won two straight, three of the last four. And like I said, the doors just cracked slightly open. They got a lot of help over the weekend. Uh, I think it was those, they had four games that really had to pay attention to. Panthers lost. Eagles lost. The Rams did beat the Cardinals, which didn't help. But then the Vikings blow the lead last night to the Seahawks on the road. And Seattle kind of does Chicago a favor. Because once again, you're not chasing the Seahawks. You're not going to catch the Seahawks. You're chasing that last wild card spot, which is Minnesota. So, yeah, I mean, here we are in December. I mean, the chances are slim. Like you said, they're going to have to win out. I did see a scenario where they go 9-7, and seven, but that's – I mean, that you need a lot, a lot, a lot of help at 9-7. and 10-6, though, if you win out, you'll have that win again over the Vikings in Week 17. That should get you the job done as long as Minnesota maybe lose. I think Minnesota has to lose two more, including that Bears game, and the Rams have to lose two more. And the Rams' schedule is kind of tough, too, because they have Dallas. Still think they have Seattle and San Francisco left. So, I mean, I'm not saying the Bears are going to go to the playoffs at all, but it's just finally good to have some meaningful football in December after what this season or what we thought the season was going to be, let's say, middle of October. Yeah, and I think that's that's completely fair. I mean, right now the Bears are sitting two games back in Minnesota with the tiebreaker, and I have to go back and look, but I think their conference uh, record is pretty similar as well. So it's one of those situations where basically the Bears play the Vikings in Week 17. So in order for them to have a shot, and this isn't even including the Rams, in order for them to have a shot, they have to be within that one game um, going into Week 17. And obviously if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. 
Uh, still, the, again, it doesn't seem very realistic. Uh, I do think the Rams are going to find a way to lose two games because, I mean, looking at their schedule, and this isn't in any order, this is just off the top of my head, but they still have the Seahawks, they still have the 49ers, they still have the Cowboys, and then Arizona, who they just got done blowing out. That's, you know, whatever. But, I mean, three of those four games are teams that are probably better than them, and you can make the literally the same exact argument for the Bears. I mean, almost every single one of the teams that they're playing, you can make an argument and probably win that they're better than the Bears. But it's uh, it's at least interesting. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, the, the Bears need to gain one game before Week 17 on Minnesota. If they do that and, and the Rams play about as inconsistently as they have, which I think is pretty realistic at this point, I think, you know, the Bears got a shot. But, again, that's... Uh, it's just gonna be one of those things. I take it a week at a time because <clears throat> I know a lot of people are kind of getting their hopes back up, and I think we've seen this a few times where there's games that they should have won that they didn't, and this is one of those games with Dallas. Well, I'm not gonna say they should win it because I think they're. I, I think Dallas is probably the better team, but Dallas is probably playing a little bit worse than the Bears right now. So it's one of those. Just, again, you got to take it week by week. If they can, if they can win this week, and then you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Minnesota. They have De- Detroit this weekend, so that's probably not a very good matchup. Um, but you know, and then the, and then the Bears would have the Packers after that. So it's it's kind of one of those again week to week. But all they can really do is win at this point. And I mean, unfortunately, they're still they're, they're not playing good football. I mean, they're they're barely squeaking out wins against bad teams. And you know, even if they beat Dallas, you'd like to see them at least look somewhat like a like a decent team and it's weird because i mean i don't i haven't watched a ton of football admittedly so i mean you got a lot of a lot of stuff going on personally and just frankly haven't been in the mood to watch a ton of football outside of the bears but what i will say is there's a lot of very mediocre teams so you've got at least in my mind you've got a few very good teams uh then you have you know quite a bit of mediocre teams and you have some really damn bad teams i mean you're just talking about the raiders the raiders were six and four two weeks ago it looked like they were right in the middle of the playoff race and all of a sudden they've been just absolutely handled two weeks in a row i mean it's just one of those things where you just don't really know and i think it's kind of the same thing with the rams i mean they they come out and they beat the bears and then they get blown out uh you know and then they come back and and then they 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 blew out the cardinals so it's just one of those situations where it's just it's so week to week right now but and and i saw the scenario you did with them finishing nine and seven and making the playoffs but i i don't think that's very realistic i think that ultimately it's going to have to be a situation where the bears are going to have to win all four games and really i mean the the one big game that is really hard for them to win regardless of how good or bad they are is against the packers and i think that's if they can beat dallas that Packers game is going to be huge because Kansas City's inconsistent, and at least if you lose that game and you're kind of still in the hunt at that point, at least it's a non-conference opponent. But you know, the three out of their last four games are against conference opponents, and two out of the last four are against uh, divisional opponents. So we'll see. But at least there's some sort of intrigue moving into the final four games. Yeah, and I mean, at the very least, I mean, if the Bears do lose this week, say Minnesota wins, they're pretty much all but out. Bears might be able to play spoiler for the Packers if they can beat Green Bay in week uh, 15 on the road. It would give Minnesota the chance here to uh, take the division because the two teams do play week 16 uh, on Monday night football. But yeah, I mean, the Bears schedule I saw today, the Bears remaining four games is the toughest schedule in all of football. I believe the Packers, Vikings, and I want to say um, maybe the Rams. No, the Packers and Vikings were like top five easiest schedules. Um, remaining, I think the Rams were like top 10, top 15, middle of the pack, uh, schedule remaining. So yeah, I mean the Bears, if if they can't get in, they'll have a chance to play a little spoiler, 
uh, maybe for the NFC North division title. And I think I can speak for a lot of us. We'd rather see Minnesota win the division than Green Bay. However, we'd all rather, rather see the Bears in the playoffs instead of, you know, sitting at home. Speaking of intrigue, I think, you know, the news, the big news this week coming out of House Hall was that Akeem Hicks has returned to practice. Um, suffered that elbow injury in week, what was it, week five in London against the Raiders. Didn't return, didn't play um, since. Was kind of placed in that short IR where, you know, he had to be out for eight weeks. He can practice this week. He can return next week versus Green Bay. And I look at it this way. I, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, you, get, you can get Hicks back for the playoff run. I think just getting him back out there will be a big boost for this team, um, you know, moving forward. And it will it'll just give the Bears all but one starter back as Danger Rathen's still out. But Matt Nagy said something kind of interesting, how, t- how Hicks has been, you know, kind of around the team when players get injured. You know, they maybe go away from the team when they're on IR. Hicks instead has been around the team, been encouraging them. He's been in, in the meetings, been in the film room, helping out, leading the meetings. I think if the Bears are in this down the race, I think Hicks's return could be very significant and a lot more significant than people think. I agree. I, I think when you look at this defense, I mean, obviously, I mean, we talked about this a few times where they're not the same team. I mean, they're 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 not the same unit. They're definitely not the same team. I mean, they they were twelve four last year, and now we're looking at six sixteen. But in terms of defensively, they're not the they're not quite the same unit. They're not as aggressive. They're not making as many plays. They're not scoring as many points on defense. They're not sacking the quarterback as much. But when you look at points per game, yards per game, all that stuff, I mean, especially points per game, I mean, they're right there from last year. I mean, they're just kind of doing it differently. They're not as dominant, but. I think a lot of that, and especially when you're looking at the yards per game, uh, kind of comes in the run game because they were deadly against the run last year, and they just haven't really had that since Hicks went out. They had the one game when when Hicks first went out. Uh, I think it was actually against Minnesota where they did, you know, they they shut down Dalvin Cook. Everything looked really good, and then from there it's been just kind of hit and miss. So I think from a you know defending against a run standpoint i think it's going to be big but then also with pass rush uh, you know leonard floyd's a good player for what he is but he's simply not a pure pass rusher he's never going to be they don't really have any depth i mean aaron lynch has been absolutely awful i think he's got what six or seven false or not uh, uh not false start uh offside offsides penalties. yeah he's yeah. got I think, six I think he leads the league he's that which is ridiculous considering he's hardly ever out on the field and you got Khalil Mack who, okay, you know, Matt Nagy's saying that he's having, you know, a really good season, and maybe that's the case, but he's simply not having the same kind of impact uh, sacking the quarterback as he has had in years past. So I think just getting Akeem Hicks back, uh, you know, being one of those leaders and being in, the, you know, the presence in the middle of the defense is going to be big. Uh, but again, um, it, at least in my personal opinion, I think, I think a lot of it depends on Dallas. I and they're pro- and you know they're probably going to bring him back regardless. But if the Bears lose against Dallas, I don't know if I'm bringing Akeem Hicks back for the last three games of the season because I don't know really what good that would do at this point. I mean, you're if you're at six and seven, you're likely out of contention. Um, you know, and it's just I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those things again. It's kind of a week to week thing for me right now. And you know, if the Bears win, then it's like okay, get get Hicks back out there and and see what happens. But the same thing with Trevathan, too. I'm not rushing either one of those guys back out there. They're sitting 6-7, and seven and they're pretty much all but out of the playoffs at that point. I mean, I don't really see much of a point to have either one of those guys, uh, especially Hicks, where he's so valuable. You want him ready to go for next season. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you were telling me, okay, even if the Bears did get to 6-7 and seven and lost to the Cowboys, 
I think Trevathan is probably the one that's going to be shut down. I think they're just kind of waiting. They're kind of playing patient with him. Maybe, hey, if we're still in the race here in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll uh, roll him back out there. I think Hicks will return either way. I don't think it'd be smart for the Bears to put him out there, just as, like you said, long-term health, getting ready for next season. I think Hicks is the type of guy that wants to be out there. You know, by him being in the meetings and helping out with all the players, I, I you can just tell he wants to be out there. And then he had the whole radio call incident with Waddle and Siv- Sylvie last week, and everyone kind of took that out of proportion, too. I thought that was just a guy frustrated that he's not out in the field. He can't be out there to help his team. I think he's the type of player he's going to want to go out there and he's going to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. I'm ready to play. Um, now, will he be effective? I don't think so because either way, he's going to have to wear a brace on his on his elbow and, and the arm will not be 100%. For a defensive lineman, as we both know here, you, you do need both of your arms. So I would agree with you. I don't think he should return. I think the future health is probably better because when we've seen in years past, what was it? I think it was like 2000. 12 2011 where um brian urlacher got hurt on that hail mary in the week 17 against the lions when major Wright crashed into him completely tore up his knee uh, i don't think he missed any games to start the next season but he didn't have the whole full offseason of workouts uh, with the bears at all during that offseason but yeah i just think you know looking at it i'd say hicks would probably be more ideal to return i don't think trevathan will return either way even in I mean, it would, it would have to take the Bears to probably get to 8-6, and six, Minnesota lose a game here in the next two weeks uh, for Trevathan to return. But the other thing about these final four games is the Bears are going to have some interesting decisions to make in this offseason to potentially save some money. I mean, you're going to have to make a decision on Leonard Floyd. Do you want to bring back Prince of Mukamura? Are you going to try to re-sign Nick Wodkowski or Danny Trevathan? Um, you know, what are you going to do with HaHa Clinton-Dix? I think it's a good opportunity for them to kind of self-scout see what this franchise is, and kind of get an early start on these decisions. Now, Thursday against the Cowboys, it looks like Prince of Mukamura is going to be out, which could mean more time for Kevin Tolliver and Duke Shelley. Ideally, the Bears would probably move Buster Screen to the outside and then slot in Shelley. If not, Tolliver will get a little work on the outside with Screen staying in the slot. But, yeah, these next four weeks, also a good time to self-scout your own team. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where it's going to go one of two ways. They're either – going to win the game and they're still going to be in it or they're going to lose and the next three games like you said are going to be trying to figure things out uh i i don't know i i mean admittedly so i haven't paid nearly as much attention this week to you know all the injury stuff short week all that but i i would i guess i would be a little confused as to why the bears have an ir danny trevathan if they don't plan on him coming back within the next week or two i don't know i'd I don't know. That's a, that's a weird situation in its own, but uh, yeah. And well, in another position, you talk about you know kind of scouting what you've already got. I mean, you got receiver where you know Taylor Gabriel is going to be out again with concussion, and the same thing with uh, Ben Broniker. I mean, you're going to be Jesper Horstead is going to be your number one tight end going into the game again. So you have situations where Javon Wims, I thought, actually played pretty well. Um, you're going to have Riley Ridley, who hopefully gets out on the field a little bit better. I mean, I'll be honest and say that honestly, I almost kind of think that the bears are better suited with bigger receivers. I really, you know, and this has kind of been a theory that's been talked about and kind of thrown around most of the year. Uh, I think Taylor Gabriel is a pretty good receiver. Obviously he's had a lot of drop issues this year, but it seems like the offense, especially this year has seemed to work a little bit better 
when they're targeting the bigger guys, whether that's the tight ends when they're actually catching the ball, whether that's uh, Allen Robinson. Obviously, Anthony Miller's not that big, and he's been kind of a breakout guy over the last few weeks. But, you know, even Javon Wimps comes in, and he has four catches. You know, it's one of those situations where maybe having bigger receivers is just a better thing. So I think that's another self-scouting area. Um, Looks like Sherrick McManus is going to be done for the year. So I think regardless of what ends up happening with uh, – well, actually, he is done for the year because they put him on IR. Uh, him and Adam Shaheen. I think Adam Shaheen's played his last game with the Bears. That's – I don't know if we need to cover that at this point. He's been so insignificant since he's was drafted. I mean, he's just one of those guys where it's like every year he's hurt. And every year when he's on the field, he didn't do anything. But – uh, you know, like you, like you pointed out, I mean, there's going to be some areas of self-scout for sure um, and kind of see where they're going to go. Because like you pointed out, uh, you know, as far as cap space goes, uh, it's going to be tight. I mean, they can definitely make some moves. I think Leonard Floyd will end up sticking around just because of the edge situation. Um, but you're going to have decisions to make on Prince of Mukamara. You're going to have decisions to make. I think Taylor Gabriel's decisions already made. I don't think he's going to be back next year. Um, but then, like you said, you got Trevathan. You got Kowski, who's I think Kowski's played pretty damn well, um, all things considered. And he's actually showed up in pass coverage uh, better than he did before. So they definitely got some decisions to make. I think they got to make the right decisions. Um, and obviously, they got to kind of move some money around because. You know, contrary to popular belief, I mean, yeah, Trubisky had a pretty damn good game, um, and he played pretty good against the Giants as well. But, again, I mean, these are two terrible defenses that he's playing against, you know, and they're primarily man coverage teams that he's played against. He's always he's always played better against man coverage teams, and he's always carved up bad defenses. Most quarterbacks do. I mean, this is, this is kind of the stretch where we're getting into where against Dallas. Dallas has got a top-ten defense. Um, you know, Minnesota's got a good defense. I mean, these are the kind of games that you want to see him still hang 250, 300 yards in a game and have multiple touchdowns, you know. And, and I, But kind of going back to that, I think that quarterback's going to be one of those situations where if they're going to make a move, it's probably going to be for a veteran, whether that's Cam Newton, uh, whether that's, you know, somebody that we're not thinking about, maybe a Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles obviously does better in Andy Reid's system, so maybe that would make some sense. But either way, there's going to have to be some money spent at the quarterback position because, again, I'm not sold remotely. I'm not going to flip around, you know, and say that Trubisky's shown enough flashes where I wouldn't wouldn't at least challenge him. I mean, I'm bringing in a veteran regardless, and you let the best guy win. But, uh, but I think quarterbacks going to be one of those situations where you're going to have to throw some money at it. And so, I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to be smart with their money this year. I think they can move things around. I mean, teams do it every year. But like you said, at least having an idea of who you have on your roster moving in in the next two or three years is going to be key. Um, and they're going to kind of have to do that regardless of, uh, you know, what's going on and whether they're in contention or not just because of the injury situation. Yeah. And with the quarterback, I think Mitch will be back regardless, just because his, his contract is fully guaranteed. But like you said, there's going to be some competition. I think you go the route of bringing in a veteran um, for that competition and hopefully drafting a quarterback, you know, sometime either using one of those, one of those two first round or one of those two second round picks. I'm sorry. They don't have a first round pick or using a, using a pick on a day three player. I don't want to see him trade up into the first round and grab a quarterback. I think outside of Joe Burrow um, and, you know, outside of Joe Burrow, there's not a lot of first round talent. I think there's a lot of good second round talent out there. Uh, so if they're going to do that, maybe bring in a rookie from the second round, but yeah, for sure. Get some, get some co- competition in there for the quarterback position. 
uh, for Trubisky next season. Let's let's get into the Lions game before we do that, though. Let's hit our first break. We'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. As we've mentioned, Aaron, the Bears are 6-6. Six and six. They got to that 500 mark with a win over the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Their second straight win over the Lions on the holiday. Things started off a little slow, though. The Bears did get a touchdown on their opening drive, which is a miracle. It's only happened twice so far this season. But then after that, man, they let third-string quarterback David Blau throw a 75-yard touchdown pass for the Lions' first score. And then on the ensuing Lions drive, um, after the Bears went three and out, Blau found Marvin Jones for a touchdown pass, and it was 14-7 Lions. Going into this game, you know, the news kind of broke that Blau was going to start on third, on Wednesday night. And I thought, okay, this is Bears blowout all over. There's no there's no way this defense lets this guy throw all over them. And what does he do? The first quarter he comes out as 14-7 Lions, and you're thinking, ah, oh, crap, here we go again. Yeah, it uh... – I don't know, man. That was a weird game because it's like the Bears come out and they have that really good offensive drive, and then all of a sudden, like you said, they the the, the first two plays on defense look really good, and then Prince Amukamara bites on the double move, and that was that. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's 14-7, and like you said, it kind of had that feeling like, man, this team just cannot get out of their own way. And that's, I mean, I've tweeted that multiple times. They they show a lot of signs of being a poorly coached team for one, but it's just they're, they're making a lot of mental mistakes as well, and it doesn't. It still just doesn't add up to me how this is primarily the same team from last year with primarily the same coaching staff outside of a few moves. I mean, obviously, Chuck Pagano included, but it's like in, they're making more mistakes and they're just not playing as good as football. But, you know, again, at least at least Trubisky finally kind of, you know, he, 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 well, he had his best game of the season by far. I mean, he had over 300 yards. He had, what, the three, three, uh, three touchdowns and you know, it, it's it was good to see, and it's always it's always good to beat lines. Always good to beat lines. I don't care. I, I'll I will take a victory lap any day of the week around that fan base because they flat out deserve it. Um, but I mean, yeah, they we, have the whole uh, "We own the Bears" hashtag, which quickly went away very quickly. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been back, and pretty much since that hashtag became a thing, all of a sudden, you know, they haven't won a game in four games, and they can make all the excuses that they want, but I, I think a lot of them are forgetting that Jay Cutler um, wasn't wasn't really a thing, um, you know, or he, I think he was out for one or two of those games. So it's like, okay, yeah, the Bears played against backup quarterbacks uh, these you know two games this year, but you know, Lions played in that that three year stretch that they had when they went six and zero against the Bears or whatever it was. I mean, they. Same thing. They they played against backup quarterbacks as well. I think one of them was against Matt Barkley, if I remember right. But whatever. That's not the point here. The point is, is the Bears won the game, um, but they're still not playing great football. Um, but I mean, it's just it's kind of one of those again. I mean, they're six and six. Not a lot of teams are playing very consistently right now. Can they dig deep, find a way to win four games in a row and maybe sneak into the playoffs? Because here's the thing. I mean, if they were to win four in a row, I mean, that would be six in a row overall, and especially against the quality of opponents that they're about to play. 
I mean, they would definitely be deserving of a playoff spot. Just, I mean, for the simple fact that they had to beat these four teams and whatever else. But again, it just doesn't seem very likely. And there's still just a lot of mistakes where it just doesn't really make any sense that they continue to make them. Yeah, and I've, I've tweeted during games. I think it, it, that's coaching. When you're making those type of mistakes, granted, you know, mental mistakes do happen here and there. The, the coverages sometimes get mixed up here and there. It happens to every NFL team. However, when you got guys jumping off sides, when you continue to hold, when you have blocks in the back and returns, um, you know, things like that, and you're, it's just kind of self-induced penalties on offense that are setting drives back. You know, this offense has not been good this season, but I've said it multiple times in this podcast. Whether or not you think Trubisky is the guy, you can't deny that putting your quarterback in first and 15, first and 20, second and 18, long, long, long situations like that because of holding penalties or false start penalties, it's not going to help. I don't care what quarterback you have back there. Second and 20 is second and 20. It doesn't matter if you have Aaron Rodgers or Mitchell Trubisky. It's not easy. It's not It's not a good spot to be in. And they just continue to do that, man. And then, then you got the drops, which are just mental mistakes out there. I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's like you watch a Bears game and you have your checklist, and the checklist is filled out within the first two drives because on there you have, let's see, kick return, you know, penalty, uh, false start penalty or holding call. You'll have a drop pass. You'll have a bad throw by the quarterback. You'll have missed coverage by the defense. It's like, you know, those six things you could check off right away by, by, the, by the first half of the first quarter. And it's just these type of mistakes that continue to bite them over and over again. And for whatever reason, there's this common theme. Yeah, the Bears got the touchdown on their opening drive. That was still a slow start um, on Thursday against the Lions, and they still trailed at halftime. I mean, you, you can't have a slow start like that in these final four games. You're going to have to put together four complete games you know, for the rest of the season, they're going to have to be start to finish. You're going to have to be good like we saw a couple times last season. You know, they did wake up in the second half. Trubisky was fantastic, 12 of 14, 188 yards and, a, and uh, two touchdowns in the second half. He did have the interception, was, which was a bad read. Good play by Darius Slay as well. But, I mean, he showed up. He, he, he played his ass off in the second half. We can't deny it. They looked a lot better in that second half. Even the defense. I mean, look at Kyle Fuller, that tackle on third and, what, two like inside the five-yard line, if McKissick gets to the outside there and beats Fuller to the outside and scores a touchdown, I don't think the Bears win that game. Uh, it's just, you know, they if they could play a full, complete game, I would feel a lot better because against the Giants, they fell behind at halftime. They fell behind against the Lions. And it's like you've used second-half comebacks in each of those games to win. Second-half comebacks, you can't rely on those against these next four opponents. You're going to have to start off a lot faster. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, it's it's one of those things, again, you're beating bad teams where the margin for mistakes is going to be much higher because, simply put, you're not playing good teams, and they're going to make a lot of mistakes, too. There's a reason they're not good teams, you know? I mean, the, the talent gap in the NFL is not nearly as big as a lot of people think it is. I mean, just look at the 49ers. 49ers have primarily the same roster as they did last year. And last year, uh, you know, obviously they had some injuries there. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, when you when you look at the team that they had last year versus the team that they have this year, just completely different ball game. You know, it's just, I mean, it's, you can you can kind of make the same argument for a lot of different teams. Uh, so it's just one of those situations where they just, I mean, simply put, I mean, they just, they have to play better. I don't really, they're just, like we both said, I mean, they, they don't look like a very well-coached team right now. Um, and there's just a lot of, 
a lot of mistakes that you wouldn't expect to see a team make that was 12 and four last year and the amount of talent they have on the roster. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people forget. I mean, this is still a very talented bears team. I mean, they still relatively speaking, even with injuries and stuff like that. I mean, when you're looking at starters, I mean, the bears are in pretty damn good shape for this late in the year. Uh, you know, obviously they've taken some, some key injuries probably more than last year um, with Hicks going out, Trevathan, uh, you know, the tight end situation as a whole has been a complete disaster. But I think when you look at things for the most part, I mean, they're health wise, they're in pretty decent shape. I mean, it's, that's not the, not the issue here. So when you look at that and you say, okay, you know, maybe they're just having a down year. Maybe it was, maybe it's one of those situations where, you look at it and you just say, okay, well, this is just simply not their year, and this is just kind of the stuff that happens. Maybe that is the case, but it just it feels like even from Matt Nagy and the coaching staff as a whole, they just don't seem to have that same swagger. They don't seem to be that that same well-coached, likable team that they were last year. And I, I don't know. I don't know if you can really flip that in four games, but I guess we're about to find out. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to. I mean, I don't think this is a team that's going to lie down and, and let – teams walk all over them but at the same time I mean like you said you know you had the luxury of playing two bad teams the mistakes that you make are the you know they're gonna make the same mistakes they're gonna make even bigger mistakes to kind of let you back into those ball games and we saw that with the Giants you know Daniel Jones fumbling after the Bears took the lead um two weeks ago and then you watch um the Lions offense just kind of look really bad in that third quarter let Chicago get right back into it you know, the Cowboys, maybe maybe the Cowboys, I think my view on the Cowboys is they're a team that's kind of self-imploding right now. Maybe the Cowboys will give you some chances, but when you go up to Green Bay and when you host Kansas City and they have to go up to Minnesota, I don't think those teams are going to give you many chances to keep you in the ball game or, you know, late in the game, they're going to make a key mistake that you can kind of take advantage of and possibly win that game. The last thing I want to talk on um, about this Detroit game before we get into Dallas Man, how good was Roquan Smith on Thanksgiving? I called it the best game of his career. He was all over the field, 15 total tackles, two sacks. Had the one key sack at the end where he came off the blitz at the middle where Chicago has not been able to get pressure on. Um, Pagano just said pretty much F it. I'm going to send Kwiatkowski and Roquan up the middle. Both of them got there. Roquan got the sack, and, and it pretty much doomed the Lions from the start. But you know, ever since Roquan kind of had that incident against the Minnesota Vikings where it was a healthy scratch, he started to play a lot better, and we saw that with the Rams game where he had the interception. I think he had 12 or 13 tackles, and now he's starting to put together more um, good performances, and he does lead this team in tackles. Uh, did you have any comments on how Roquan played? I think that we're we're seeing over the last few weeks, we're finally starting to see the player that we all expected him to be. I would absolutely 100% agree that this was easily the best game of his young career. I mean, he... When you have 15 tackles, you have two sacks. Uh, I think he had – there was two more quarterback hits. I think he had two tackles for losses. I mean, he had – it was an outstanding game for him. I think he had like three or four total pressures too. Uh, but, I mean, that's – yeah, he had they had a fantastic game. And, that, and that's big because if you can expect that kind of play out of – out of him, then you're not quite as pressured when you're looking at the linebacker situation next to him, whether it's Kwiatkowski, whether it's Trevathan, whether it's going with a cheaper free agent option. I would assume it's going to be one of the two. I guess it's going to kind of matter, you know, whoever it is. But, I mean, it's definitely big. I mean, and that's the kind of thing, too. Like, And, and it, it's kind of a bigger theme if you really want to get into it because – when you when you're looking on the field, right? When you're looking at some of these guys that were kind of supposed to take that next step, right? You have guys like Roquan Smith, 
Uh, I think James Daniels has played uh, much better as of late. Maybe he's just a better guard. I don't know. Um, and then obviously Anthony Miller. I mean, Anthony Miller's had a few really damn good games in a row. I mean, he had a career career day himself. I mean, he's starting to get more involved with the offense, uh, a lot less stupid mistakes, a lot less running his mouth, um, you know, after plays and stuff like that. And I think that's the kind of positive development that you want to be able to see uh, as a whole, you know, even the Jesper Horstead touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of stuff from the young guys that you want to see. Eddie Jackson had, has had a much better few games, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's big. Those are, those are big developments that uh, – that we really haven't seen most of this year. So, I mean, that in its own is kind of encouraging. It shows you that the talent's there, um, and it shows you at least to a certain extent I think the coaching's there as well. I think it's just, again, I don't know if it's just poor coaching this year, uh, if it's just things really just haven't lined up all the way or what the deal is. Maybe this is just a fluke. I don't know. I mean, really, we're going to find out next year what was a fluke. Was it the 2018 season or was it the 2019 season? And that's that's going to be a big big uh, indicator for the future of this franchise, for the future of the rebuild that we had to sit through and suffer through for four years, the future of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy uh, is going to have a lot to do next year, um, but they can still finish out strong this year. And I, and I do think that building at least confidence uh, moving into next year with maybe some of these younger guys and kind of getting a good self-evaluation of your own roster is, I mean, there's, there's definitely some value to be had. And I'll say it and I say it almost every single podcast that we record there's no value in the Bears losing games at this point. I mean, it would it would behoove them to finish ten and six and make the playoffs. Like it's not one of the I don't care. You know, if they get honestly, if they get in the playoffs at this point and they lose first round, I mean, at least they somehow pieced it together and they got back there. Um, but there's no value in them losing because they don't have a first round pick. And when you're talking, you know, they got the pair of second round picks. One of them's not even there, so that you know the, their win loss doesn't really matter there. Uh, then they don't have a third round pick. So, I mean, their draft positioning, it doesn't matter at this point. This isn't where, you know, we're we're sitting here looking at a, a higher pick if the Bears lose more games. I mean, it, it does them no good, I don't I don't think at all. Yeah, it's just about self-evaluating at this point and hoping maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and win out and get into the playoffs. Aaron, let's uh, get into the Cowboys. Before we do that, let's take our final break of the show and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. Aaron, let's wrap things up here with our Week 14 preview against the Dallas Cowboys. Thursday night primetime showdown, the Cowboys and Bears. The Cowboys kind of enter this game here as a team in my eyes that, you know, are kind of self-imploding. They are in first place in the NFC East. However, the Philadelphia Eagles are right behind them. And when you look at this Cowboys team, they have a lot of talent. You know, Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott, that's just on the offensive side of the football. They're getting good play from Randall Cobb and, and Michael Gallup as wide receivers. Jason Witten's been in. He's been a serviceable tight end for them. You're not really going to count on him to, to be a Pro Bowl tight end. Then you look at their defensive line. It's just stacked with pass rushers. Their secondary is a little vulner, vulnerable. Um, overall, though, front seven pretty good. They're 6-6, six and six, and they have the one-game lead over the Eagles. They do have the tiebreaker over Philadelphia. They're 6-6. Six and six, with a couple losses are kind of, you know, make you scratch your head. When I look at it, like I said, I think they're kind of self-imploding here. I looked at, I watched that game on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys scored first, marched right down the field, grabbed a 7-0 lead, and Buffalo, give credit to Buffalo, Sean McDermott's coaching staff, they adjusted well. They came out. They locked down the Dallas Cowboys in from pretty much quarter two to the end of the game, and they were pretty much clowning them on the sideline. I think this Cowboys team is a team – 
that is self-destructing. They're yelling at each other, they're fighting in practice. They're trying to practice outdoors to get to the weather, you know, used to the weather here in Chicago. They answer on a two-game losing streak. I think this is very much a game where the Bears can see a wounded opponent and take advantage of it and get the win. Yeah, the Cowboys, from a talent standpoint, um, are a damn good team. I mean, just like the Bears are. Uh, I do think the Cowboys have played a little bit more consistently than the Bears, even though they have the same record. Uh, the Cowboys' offense is – I mean, the reason that they've lost an ugly loss the last two games is because their offense has scored a total of 24 points. And that's that's really kind of the big key here because you're talking about uh, a situation where the, the Cowboys have a top-10 defense, um, you know, at least by statistical categories – um, but then you look at their offense, and they had the top offense in the league um, going in two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, they score 24 points. Zach Prescott hasn't played nearly as well. Um, Zeke Elliott isn't playing as well. But but here's the reality: they still have a very good offensive line. They've I, mean, I think Prescott's been sacked 16 times all all year, which is you know in the bottom of the league, and and that's a good measurement, obviously. Um, but I mean, they have Amari Cooper. Looks like he's going to play. Uh, they got Michael Gallup. I mean, they have plenty of pass catching options. Like you said, you know, Jason Witten's not a very good tight end. They haven't had a very good tight end in a while since Jason Witten went out of his prime. But they have a good, very good offense overall. Uh, I think, at least in my opinion, I think the big equalizer here is going to be because I think you have the Cowboys' offense versus the Bears' defense. I think is a pretty good matchup. I think. Uh, the Cowboys definitely have the edge in terms of their defense versus the Bears offense. Um, but I think one of the equalizers could be the special teams group. And um, I mean, let's just put it this way. Jerry Jones went out of his way when he was talking about Jason Garrett, and the coaching staff and, you know, whose jobs are at risk and stuff like that. He went out of his way to call it the special teams unit. They had they held um, kicking tryouts this week. Um, they've they just haven't been good. I mean, in terms of uh, metrics, when you're looking at pro football, uh, pro, no, sorry, football outsiders uh, DVOA rankings for uh, special teams units, the Bears are at 11, and the Cowboys are dead last. So that could be a situation, especially with how uh, Cordero Patterson's been returning the ball lately and how big of an impact he's had. I mean, that could be a situation where the Bears could gain some ground. And I think that, again, you, you talked about it earlier, where you're looking at a, a situation where the Bears can't fall behind. Um, the Bears can't make too many mistakes. And one of the ways to, you know, kind of compensate for some of that and kind of compensate for some of the sloppy play and maybe get the edge in this game would be on the special team side where you can either get good field position or you're scoring points that way. And I think that could be an added bonus. I think this is a closer game than some people are thinking. I mean, this is this is in Chicago. This is at Soldier Field. And at least last time I checked, uh, the Cowboys were three-point favorites. I mean, that's basically Vegas giving them six points. And I don't think that the Cowboys are a touchdown better of a team than the Bears are. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows what teams we're going to see either way. But uh, I would agree that the Cowboys look like they are they may be on the, the verge of imploding. But I think the big thing to kind of keep in mind here is there's a lot on the line for the Cowboys, too, because, I mean, they're game up on the Eagles right now because the Eagles have been playing terrible as of late, too. But at the same time, uh, you know, the like I said, the Cowboys are still, they're still in the division lead and they have a harder... Uh, they have a harder remaining schedule coming up than the Eagles. So it's it's going to be very interesting. I think there's there's a lot of smoke revolving around. I don't think regardless of what happens with the Cowboys, regardless of if they make the playoffs or not, I don't think that uh, Jason Garrett's going to be back next year. So 
it's going to be a very interesting game because it, it, it kind of feels like whoever loses this game is probably about done, even though the Bears have a lot more work to do than the Cowboys. It feels like one of those situations where a third loss in a row, especially considering how much media coverage this whole coaching issue has been and how vocal Jerry Jones has been, it does feel like if they get down early, things could get bad for them in a hurry. Yeah, I think Jason Garrett was pretty much fired on Thanksgiving. I think that was it for him. Just watching them on that game and how lifeless they looked, and they'd show up to uh, they'd show Chase, uh, Jerry Jones up there. Oh man, yeah, they they were completely toast. Um, I do agree that special teams is going to play a big role um, in this game, and it's also going to be kind of our first time where Eddie Pinero's will be kicking in the cold at night at Soldier Field. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Let's get into our predictions and X Factor. Um, I'll go. I'll go first. I I'll take the Bears to win. I think this is a game. You know, kind of December, the elements might play a factor here. It might be a little colder than we think with the wind chills near the lakefront. Um, I think it's going to be close though. I don't know if the Bears' offense can really put up a lot of points on Dallas, but I do think the Bears' defense will be able to force the Cowboys into a couple mistakes here um, in this game. So I'm going to go. Bears 22, Cowboys 20. Uh, I think Chicago gets it done. They hold off Dallas out of field goal range at the end. I'm, for my X factor, though, I'm going to look at this offensive line again for the Bears. We saw with David Montgomery. David Montgomery looked like an NFL running back last week in Detroit, whether that was running on the ground or catching passes out of the backfield. He had the go-ahead touchdown from Trubisky. He played very well. However... This week, the Bears are going up against a really good front seven. Uh, Dallas has one of the best pass rushes in in football. And with Bobby Massey out, it's going to be guys like Cornelius Lucas, um, Rashad Coward, Charles Leno that are going to have to protect the edges out there. And um, and I don't know if they can do it. If the Bears can do it, I think they're definitely going to win. If they can't, I think it would be a long day for Mental Trubisky. The other thing to keep an eye on, can Trubisky feel the pressure? Can he feel the heat? Um from the Dallas pass rush, maybe step up and make plays alive, um, keep plays alive with his feet, especially if Dallas is getting to the quarterback, which I think they will early and often. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting game for sure. Uh, I, I'll i go ahead and go with my X-Factor first, and that's kind of feeding back off the special teams uh, area. I think that, again, I think when you're, when you're looking, I think Dallas definitely has the advantage defense. Their defense going against Bears offense. I think the Bears defense has an advantage over the Cowboys offense. Uh, I think that maybe when you're looking at those two, you know, matchups on paper, maybe Cowboys have the advantage overall. But I think, again, the big equalizer is going to be special teams play, whether that's uh, Patterson, especially like you said. I mean, it's going to be cold. You know, Patterson's going to have a chance to return some kicks. And I think that's kind of where the special teams unit needs to step up and, and, you know, the Bears aren't averaging a ton of points right now. They're probably not going to score a ton of points on Thursday night. But one one way to really kind of help boost things and kind of produce points out of nowhere, I mean, the difference of seven points could be a lot. I mean, it has been a lot for the Bears all year. And, you know, getting a special teams touchdown uh, of some sort would be huge. So that's going to be my X factor. Um, you know, honestly, I this is a weird game to call. I don't know why. Um, and hopefully it's not like the Rams game. But. I'm, I'm going to take the Bears. I I think that I just think that the way things are going, I think that and this is going to sound very cynical of me, but I think that things are setting up to where the Bears are going to go uh, into Green Bay next weekend and Aaron Rodgers is going to basically destroy destroy the playoff hopes. Uh, and uh, it just seems so fitting with this season that the Bears are going with Super Bowl expectations 
they would have, you know, the week one game where they look terrible and then they would end up, you know, three and one and all of a sudden things kind of fall off and then they get themselves back in it. So what better way to reel fans back in than win three in a row, get seven and six and go on, you know, go on against the Packers and really have a have a big game. So I think the Bears, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think it's going to come down late in the game. I'm going to go ahead and say 2017 Bears. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be just be fitting the Bears <laughs> to beat Dallas? Somehow Minnesota loses to Detroit, and it's like, okay, the door's open. It's right there, and then they go into Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers just puts the dagger into their hearts again. Like, that'd just be like the story of your and I lifetime. I mean, just Packer quarterbacks ruining the Bears' playoff hopes, ruining any enjoyment that we could have. Um, yeah, that that would just be terrible. Aaron, thanks again for joining me. Work everyone follow you on Twitter at. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can also read my work on the uh, BearReport.com. You should have my What to Watch for out uh, probably by the time you listen to this. Yep, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report at Just Bear Report. Uh, you can read both our work on the Bear Report. And uh, check the site. We'll get you ready for Thursday's primetime showdown. We're also starting our offseason stuff, which I think will be a very, very, very interesting offseason for the Chicago Bears. So uh, keep it locked here to the Bear Report Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Check us out on Overtime Sports Network, and we'll be back next week. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com